Okay, party people, pod people. Hello, I am Amy Sung, your host for today's episode of But Where Are You From? Ooh, ooh, ooh. A podcast by Harmony Miami. Oh my goodness, already interrupt. It's meant to be seamless. It's meant to be seamless. Okay, well, that was one of our guests, but don't know, might have to put him in the corner. (laughs) On the naughty step. On the naughty step. Uh, Yep, be seen where UK's East and Southeast Asians can be heard, can be loud, but cannot be seen. No, 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 you you can't see us on the podcast. Well, I I often feel like we've missed a trick by not naming our podcast Be Heard. Do you think that's unreasonable? It doesn't have the same ring to it, though, does it, as, but where are you from? Yeah, that's true, by Be Heard, yes. It could be a podcast about, like, cows. Yeah. Be yeah. heard. Be right? heard. Oh yeah, I like that. I love the complete change of direction. Love it. We can go from just social justice and raising awareness of EC communities into like farming and agriculture. Yeah, we, could, we could create a movement. <gasps> oh no, don't give yourself a give yourself a pat on the back. Actually, our other guest today is the king of the dad joke. Uh, yes, well, there you go. I think this is a good segu, as Viviao likes to say, a, <laughs> a good segu into what we're talking about, which is interracial or multi-ethnic relationships. Well, I don't know, we could discuss the terminology during the course of the, the discussion. But today I have two amazing guests. Well, one of them's not really a guest, one of them's just another host, but it's time for you to finally unveil yourselves. So please, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and but where are you from? Hello, hello. My name is Mayan. I am one sixth of Be Seen and sometimes co-host of But Where Are You From? But this is the third time I think I'm appearing on it as a guest, I guess. I am from London and I'm currently living in Senegal in West Africa. And that's possibly a screaming child that you can hear in the background. But, you know, that's life. That's cool. That's cool. Let's we can we can move on smoothly. Is it a child you know? I don't know. I mean, no. I think it's a it's a, it's a neighbourhood child. It's quite hot today, so we've got all of our doors and windows open, and uh, you might hear some neighbourhood sounds, some construction work, the odd uh, passing moped. This so is it. In it around here. Exactly. This is the B Scene podcast. We you know we're not about studios. Exactly. We don't we don't go to post studios. We're we're in our homes you know it's because we're just people like everyone else (laughs) sorry I'll just stop rambling please my other wonderful guest please introduce yourself hi there my name is Jamie um I am Mayan's other half so I guess by extension I am part of the broader uh BC universe and to some degree I'm not sure quite what fraction um but um I am part of it in some way um, I live in Dakar in Senegal as well um, because I live with my aunt and um, I would like to add to the list of potential noises cows seeing as you were talking about cows earlier and we actually have a friend who's really obsessed with cows and so I think he'd really appreciate that some percentage of the beginning of this show has started with talking about cows so uh, that's for you Alex. Where are you from? Oh yeah where am I from? Well I'm, I just told you I'm from Dakar Senegal. But where, where are you really- from? 
Where oh, where am I really? From? I just got, where like, are you where, really from? Like, where are you originally I was, from? Yeah, I was like, I was digging for that. Has that ever happened to you before? I was digging for that. What just happened right now? <laughs> Did you find it life. annoying? Was it a bit well, annoying? No, it wasn't. It oh. wasn't. I was, setting, I was setting myself up for it, so not oh, really. No. But I do actually get it quite, well, not, not exactly that question, but um, I am from Scotland, or that's, you know, that's what I say. Um, here to fill the diversity quota for Scottish people on the oh, BC oh, oh. Uh, podcast. Um, and yeah, like I, I'm from Scotland, that's where I grew up, um, but I don't really have a Scottish accent. And so usually when I say it to people, very often when I say to people, I'm from Scotland, they say, oh, but you don't have a Scottish accent. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, identity is complicated. Uh, and like, yeah, uh, there, you know, there are reasons for these things. Uh, and the reason in my case is that I've got English parents. Um, and um, so I've, you know, I think taken on their accent for the most part. Um, but it's maybe a bit more weird because I didn't grow up in England. And then I've lived outside of the country for quite a while now, seven years or something. And I've possibly infused other things in there as well as I've gone along. Um, yeah. He says he doesn't have a Scottish accent, but he does pronounce. He do. Uh, yeah. yeah like he says things like can't and um, like laugh. Can't. And you've got this tone. There's a musical. I think Scottish people have a beautifully musical tone when they speak. And you definitely got that, I think. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. What I just really want is for you to sing a song. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Like a little ditty? Like a little little ditty from your hometown? We'll, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. <laughs> I, we did make some gin martinis before this podcast, so maybe by the end of it. Party. This is more like a party than a podcast, really. Let's just admit it. But Jamie, if I, I were to give you... Already. Yeah, right. If I were to give you like a census form and was like tick where you're from, like your ethnicity, what would you tick on that form? Um, I would probably put white British. Okay then. Okay, um, yeah. So easy for you, isn't it? So easy. Yeah, that that is the option, isn't it, on census yeah, forms yeah, yeah, that it's they white give? British. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mayan, what, get... what do you do? Um, mixed Asian other. Mm. Mm. And then do you, is there usually another section that's like, please specify, or does it usually okay. end? Okay. So in the last census, I know there was a lot of chat about how everyone should put other, and then when it was time to specify that you should say EC, but mm. I actually put um, mixed white British Vietnamese because that is my ethnicity. Um, like EC isn't an ethnicity. It's a categorization that we would like public institutions to start using. Um, and actually the acronym has been met with quite a lot of positive response. You know, we've seen cabinet office using it. We've seen MPs using it. We have seen lots of people using it, um, but it's not an ethnicity. So I didn't do that. I put, I put Vietnamese. Yeah, I can understand it from the point of view of people wanted to make a political statement. Like we are here, we are present and we are sizable. Uh, but I completely agree with you and that is not exactly an ethnicity, is it? Uh, but speaking of census, another good segue. So I'm going to say segue because I feel like I don't, I don't want to make this thing a thing. So I found out uh, in the latest census, that was 2011, the last one that was counted, nearly one in 10 people, that's 9% or 2.3 million, 
uh, were living as part of an inter-ethnic relationship in England and Wales. What do you think about that? So I actually did know that because I just finished a really interesting book called Mixed Other by Natalie Morris. And it's a book all about people of mixed heritage in the UK specifically. And I picked it up and I honestly, I thought it was going to be a book predominantly about um, mixed white and black couples um, and, and the, like well, mixed white and black people. So the children of those couples because that's the most common um, ethnic mix, I suppose, in the UK. And that category of mixed has become the biggest, I think it's like the, one of the fastest increasing in the last 10 years or something. But I was really pleasantly surprised because in this book, yes, yeah, she does talk about a lot about mixed black and white couples, but she also speaks to people all over the UK from loads of different backgrounds, including EC backgrounds, including black and Asian mixed backgrounds, um, just really, really interesting. And she talks a lot about how um, the relation, society's relationship to mixed people and to mixed couples has changed. So even like 30, 40 years ago, it was a lot less accepted and, you know, women pushing buggies down the street with mixed ethnicity children in them would actually be met with quite a lot of hostility. And now the trends have shifted in a different way and mixedness is actually kind of almost valorized, romanticized and fetishized, like it's kind of trend. And she unpacks quite a lot of that stuff. Um, she also explores the idea that not all mixed relationships are, um, you know, it's not all confusion and being really lost in your identity. There are lots of people who are very, very comfortable in their mixed identities. So yeah, I, I, I did know that is the long answer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite wild that it wasn't that long ago where people would judge you and actually harass you and attack you quite violently in the street if you were seen to be with someone of a different ethnic background. And now, like you say, it's in a different way that they judge you um, because it's a weird situation, isn't it? You're like two people, you've come together, you form something beautiful, amazing, and then society comes at you and is like, well, we want to judge you a certain way and treat you a certain way because of how you identify. And I don't know, I think it's just something where I don't, for you, Jamie, is that something that ever crossed your mind when you first locked eyes on a, on a beautiful Miami all those years ago? It was a very long time ago. <laughs> Wait, what did, did what cross my mind? All those thoughts about how will we be judged? Um, uh, you know, what, what was running through your mind? It really didn't at all, honestly. <laughs> I think that's probably part of a broader uh, experience of like a lot of things not crossing my mind in regards to kind of like race and ethnicity and whatnot, which is, you know, part of the, the privilege of being white in the UK, like you just don't have to think about it. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm sure it's much more of a, a factor on your side, my Anne, than it was for me. It's just like, for me, it's like, oh, I just met this, you know, cool, um, older, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, whoa, like whoa, whoa. Okay, come on, come on. Two years older, which is quite significant, <laughs> 17 years old. Yeah, so, true. Um, like from, you know, from the Metropole. She's lo from London. Metropole. I'm from... How old are you? Oh, you what? Um, yeah, and I'm... My dad would say. <laughs> it's the truth. 
Streetwise, um, yeah. Miami. Um, and then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from a little village in the north of Scotland. Um, and so it's like, it was much more a, a mix of kind of like, you know, I was very aware of this sort of cultural difference um, of that um, and, and kind of difference in experience as well, of course, of like um, growing up in a massive city versus growing up in a tiny village, um, you know, it's so much more diverse and um, kind of cool. Like my aunt's, you know, listening to all this cool music, like, dubstep and oh. like, <laughs> drum and bass and yeah 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 but uh <laughs> and i'm just listening to like fiddle music and you know heavy metal <laughs> basically um and mine's just come back from a from a year like a year-long gap year so she's gone a gap year where she's gone and seen all of these amazing places and is, is you know we're meeting at just very different like life stages i was hyper aware of I think those like differences, um, but not so much the kind of eth ethnic uh, component. I suppose I was also, you know, also aware of that. Um, like there are no Asian people where I'm from. Well, yeah, that's what I was um, going to say. So it's like, yeah, I guess I was aware of that, but it wasn't, I definitely wasn't thinking when we first met, oh my God, what's it going to be like? In five years? <laughs> How are we going to manage the like, <laughs> the ethnic dynamics? um of being in a in a in an inter in, inter-ethnic uh couple yeah I, yeah well i think i was i was aware of it to some extent because i remember asking you if you had ever met anybody of different ethnicity before and because i remember you telling me that you had black family but then i really yeah. wanted i wanted to know if you'd ever if you'd ever hung out with any Asian people before. And I remember you telling me that the kind of the extent of it was maybe that you played um, some other kids on a different football team or that was about it. So I remember being hyper aware of that. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. Um, true. Um, I think there was, um, there was one uh, black lady in our village for a few years and then she moved away Um and I don't think, and and in, and there were no Asian people certainly in the village and certainly in our school. So, what was you, the takeaway there? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. There was Chinese takeaway uh, too. In fact, in the well, there must have been some well, Chinese. Well, no, 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 not in my village. <laughs> not in my because I come from a very, very small village. Like there's no, there's nothing. Um, but in the in the village where my school was, uh, a few miles down the road, yeah, there was yeah. a Chinese school. But their kids didn't go to. I mean, I don't know if there were kids even. Uh, but there, yeah, so that, you know, that, that was a, a big part of going to university in Edinburgh for me mm. initially was this the kind of diversity component, um, just meeting people from lots of different ethnic backgrounds, not necessarily national, well, national backgrounds as well, but just kind of ethnic backgrounds from within yeah. the UK, um, which is just very, very different from what I was, uh, what I was used to, but it wasn't something I like, I guess thought about in the context of you particularly it's funny that you say that though because like with hindsight don't you realize now how edinburgh is so white i mean how many people of different ethnicities did you actually meet like as a you know as an overall percentage mm. of the amount of people that you met while you were at uni the number of people of color probably minimal it's probably a good way to have a like an intro though like imagine if you just dove right into london <laughs> like <laughs> right into south london because the way that you described you meeting i just had this hilarious image in my head of jamie emerging from his village and like 
I don't know, like Victorian clothes because somehow you've made yourself sound really sheltered. And then my aunt's there in her like Carhartt jeans and like uh, like a vest with a really like a little rip in it, like really emo kind of rip. And she's like oh, no, super no. cool, London no, gal. Like, no. You did have a cool parka jacket. Yeah, it was night night tracksuit bottoms and a parka. You did have Ugg boots as well. That was very long. Ugg boots. You wore Ugg boots, my Anne. Not with the night tracksuit bottoms. Okay. It was like Stan Smiths and night tracksuit bottoms. Okay then. So you actually remember exactly what you were wearing when you both met? Well, there's an interesting story because the story of how we first met is a lot to do with clothes. Brilliant. I mean, this. I have to say, I have to admit to you both that this episode is sort of my dream conversation because I love finding out how people met it's my favorite thing so please can you tell me the the moment that happened everything to do with it the atmosphere the smells the sounds like please please let us know (laughs) yeah I mean I'll tell a story I probably won't go into uh, the level of detail of smells and sounds but I can I can kick us off and then mine will fill in with some color um literally oh <laughs> Ooh. so basically well we met in general at, at uh university halls because we started university at the same time in edinburgh in 2008 i guess was it like who who's number one who's in the charts could you set the scene please of like you know what was going on in the on the uk landscape the only song that I remember being like listening to loads at the time was um, "Midnight Request Line" by Scream. Do you remember Scream? Like that's Scream, a great song Scream with a K. Mm. I think that holds up actually. Yeah. Looking back at it. Brilliant. Sorry, please continue. I just wanted to hear. Sorry, I'm a very <laughs> visual person, and I need to. Have well, that's a dubstep track, and that's what mine was really into that stage. And then I tried to be cool by getting into dubstep too, but then it became not cool anymore after like two years. Anyway. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Dubstep was playing in the background. Uh, yes. continue. Well, we were, I think it was after a night out, potentially. Uh, so maybe we were at a dubstep rave. Who knows? We were separate. We were separately out, apparently, having fun separately. Um, and then back at the halls of residence, uh, where we were both staying, um, there were, like, some steps at the front of the building, which was, like, where people who smoked would go to smoke. Um, and my aunt is a... You know, dirty, yes. dirty, filthy, <laughs> dirty smoker, yeah, smoker, ex smoker, uh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm more of a smoker than my aunt. Um, yeah, so that's where people would just hang out, and uh, I, I was for some reason hanging out at, at there late at night, really, really drunk, um, and kind of sleepy. And my aunt was was sitting out there, I think, when I went outside. No, 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 no. Oh no, I'm sorry, no, I got it wrong. Not what happened? I stayed in and I'd just been hanging out with mates having drinks in the flat and I went outside for a cigarette and he'd been out and it was like three in the morning and he came no, I was stumbling back in. up the drive. Like, honestly, oh, like so yeah. wrecked. He could, he could barely well, this is why I don't remember it very well, Amy. <laughs> so now I'm smelling that sort of after a few drinks, that, you know, slightly stale beer smell is what I'm smelling and maybe some smoke. Please continue. And probably some like stale sweat because if I was coming... <laughs> I probably got quite sweaty from dancing so that can add into the smell mix if you like okay so you're stumbling you're sweaty <laughs> so stale beer smell my aunt's just 
looking gorgeous somewhere please continue in her uh, in her cool like green parka jacket oh yeah cool okay smoking a roll up on the steps really cool in her Ugg boots mm-hmm. oh, i don't know i'm just saying. i don't think Okay. Continue. Okay. Um, and anyway, I think I had either forgotten my uh, my jacket, or you know, I'd maybe left it where where I was at. For some reason, I hadn't brought it with me, and it was quite late, so it was getting really chilly up in Scotland. Um, and yeah, so my aunt was sitting there, and I I kind of like sat down next to her, um, and and with I'm sure very slurred words, asked uh, her to borrow her jacket keep me warm like a real gentleman you know you missed out the part where you asked me quite politely actually he did say please he asked me if he could lean against me because he thought he was going to fall over (sighs) yes yeah important detail i'm sure okay strong opening line jamie um was that planned (laughs) yeah i've been I, i concocted this plan from like two weeks before and i was just working up the courage yeah. But wait, had you actually known of Mayan before, or was this the first time you've seen her? No, it was like it wasn't quite Freshers' Week, but maybe maybe it was Freshers' Week or the week after. I don't know, but I'm sure Mayan had clocked me as soon as she first she first <laughs> glimpsed me. No, never seen the guy before in my life. <laughs> never seen him before in my life. Um, and then you said, yeah, you said, I'm really cold. Can I have your jacket? And I was like so stunned by the question that I was just like, okay. So I gave it to you. Yeah, and it fit very nicely. Yeah, and it is, that started like a whole tradition of just, he, he just he, actually even now you do it. I do it's like borrowing her really clothes. really likes to take my clothes. Self, sense of nostalgia, you know, hearkening back to the day we first met. Your clothes, I like, fit each other. Like, um, you know, it's not too yeah, bad. Like more, more or less. Yeah, more or less. kind of similar sizing. Anyway, that's how we first met. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get together for, for a while after that. We were like friends... Friends. Um, flirtatious friends. Who slept <laughs> in the same bed every night for a really long time, fully clothed. But with jeans on. Yeah, with jeans on. <laughs> and I would stay on top of the duvet. Yeah, Very you know chaste. He used to do this thing. Oh, God, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but we find it infuriating how um, some people, usually men, who keep everything in their pockets. They'll like empty yeah. out yeah. the triage and then they only put back in some of the stuff the next day. So then you're just left with all this debris of shit. And he used to carry so much stuff in his pockets. Like there's the time when you were gigging quite a lot. Jamie um, is or was at the time a fiddle player and he was gigging to make money, like weddings and stuff, Kaylee's and stuff like that. And so he'd always have like sheet music folded up in his pockets. He had pens, um, like sometimes a spoon, or like mp3 players like mp3 player headphones phone all this stuff keys like gum packets and then just like bits of tissue and old crap and he would take all the shit out and leave it on my desk and then the next morning he'd put all the stuff back in but then he'd just leave all of the debris oh <laughs> pocket so, debris yeah pocket debris this is what happens when you put extra big pockets on men's clothes they don't properly use it that's why women deserve the big pockets but we don't get them we get those minuscule little strips of fabric that here's a question for you amy like what would you use your extra big pocket for if you were allowed one it'll probably be lots of my daughter's like little toys like bits and pieces 
she fills my pocket. She puts like twigs and stones and like little bits oh, and pieces. Cute. Yeah. I actually think that you know how pockets are like a feminist issue because women's clothes are designed without pockets and it's designed so that we, you know, buy more handbags and just all this kind of bollocks. I also reckon that men having big pockets is also a feminist issue because if men have big pockets, they can fill them with loads of crap and then they can empty them and then women have to clean up after them. It's we have to tidy up. up. Or oh. actually, well, in the similar line, actually, you could analyze it like it's made for a big wallet filled with cash because men, yeah. men are expected yeah. to pay for dinners out and stuff, which is still part of the same, like, you oh. know. So it's like oh, a mating I ritual, like, look at my big pockets. Ooh, yeah. 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 I should point out at this point, he's going <laughs> to deny this because he says he doesn't remember, but I paid for like almost everything in the first year that we were together. Whoa. You have Whoa. money and I paid for everything. <laughs> Jamie, can you please explain yourself? This is, I mean, serious, quite serious. I mean, allegations, could you please? Well, well, Mayan was entitled to quite a large loan, weren't you? From the government. Which you're still paying yeah. off, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and and she just she spent it on the important things like me. Well, yeah, um, yeah. I'm still paying off my student loan, unlike some people. Uh, so I mean, there you go. It's because of your big pockets. This is because of oppression from your pockets, and Pocket frankly, oppression. I'm shocked. Pocket oppression. <laughs> Anywho. So you were in a relationship, it's developed beautifully. At which point did you meet each other's families and how did that go? All right. Who met whose family first? Oh, I met yours first. Well, you go first then. We met, we met in like September. We officially got together in March and I met his parents for the first time in May. And we went back to Jamie's mum and dad's house, which as I already mentioned, is in a lovely little village in the northeast of Scotland. Um, it's near the sea, it's near a river, it's very picturesque, it was beautiful weather. Um, and I wasn't especially nervous about meeting family because I'm quite good at that kind of stuff. Um, but you obviously still want to make a good impression. And I, I feel like maybe you subconsciously wanted to like take me down a peg because I think I was feeling quite confident about it. So we were, his mum picked us up from the station and we went upstairs and that put our stuff down and we were, yeah, like just getting, getting settled in. And then your mum called down that dinner was ready and that your dad was home. And he gave me, just before we went downstairs, for me to meet his dad for the first time, a massive hickey on my face. Like, as a joke. Because <laughs> he thought it would be really, really funny. Like, we were about to go downstairs and he went, come here. And I thought he was going to, like, give me a cuddle and be like, let's go, you're going to be amazing. And nope, big fat hickey. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> were you feeling nervous about, I mean, for Jamie, is this because you were feeling nervous about meeting my aunt's family? So you thought, I need to, you know, even the playing field, make sure that she's got a story that could potentially embarrass her. Is that what's happening? I don't think I thought that deeply about it at the time, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, oh, this would be funny. <laughs> I mean, was, yeah, we were like, he was 18 at the time. Uh, fair enough. So did uh, Jamie's dad say anything? <laughs> oh, no, way too polite. Oh, yeah. Oh, how awkward would that be, Amy? <laughs> I don't know, you might oh, have a really... Have you got 
got a giant hickey on your you face. You might have a really open family who who would openly address it because I certainly would. I think I I'd because um, I have a three-year-old daughter now, but I, you know, I definitely want to be able to be like, oh, what is that? I'd probably try and embarrass her though. Probably, that's unacceptable. Actually, I would have ratted you out if you mentioned it. But Jamie's dad actually has a really like strong North London accent, which maybe comes out more when I'm around because I know he also has like a, a slightly more posh register. But yeah. the impression that you did of him was not. Accurate. No, that was just the first thing that came to mind. It wasn't supposed to be like you know. <laughs> It was just to give a bit of flavor to the story. Yeah. Uh, okay, then. The meeting of the parents. It did. So that went quite well. And you didn't have any nervousness, Mayan, or, you know, any... Did you... Did it ever cross your mind that your background would, you know, be asked about or you might be questioned about it? Or was that a concern? Because that was something where any space I enter, it doesn't matter if I'm meeting someone's family... I always get that tense feeling of, oh, I wonder if they'll ask me something which is going to make me feel a bit othered or because I'm so used to it. So now I sort of wait to anticipate it. I think that I had um, expectations of being othered because I knew I was going into a rural countryside space. And we've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast before. I think that there is a kind of, there's just a sort of uh, slight, kind of shroud of expectation or alertness that most people of color have when they go into rural spaces. But with Jamie's parents themselves, I mean, they're very, very open-minded and extremely um, extremely well-traveled actually, which is always a thing that I find really reassuring um, in, in people. Like, I think one of the first conversations we had was talking about travel and, um, his mom told me that she lived in Kenya and his parents used to live in China. His dad used to live in Egypt. Um, they both lived in London. Like it was pretty obvious from the get go that they were very open-minded, quite liberal people. And I didn't expect to feel uncomfortable at any point. That's else. really great. Yeah. It's great that the stage was set for you to already feel comfortable and know that there wouldn't be any questions that might arise that it's, I think especially I think what I've experienced is when you're also in someone else's space it's hard then say they're home like you've gone to their village and you're staying in their home and if sometimes you get questioned like that or you know you feel othered it can actually be a place that feels quite dangerous or scary because I don't feel like I can say anything like oh by the way that made me feel really uncomfortable like I sort of let it go of me because I'm just that kind of person like I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable saying it in their home so it's really great that you know they already created that space for you to feel comfortable well I would say that I mean while the private home space feels like a very safe space there have been a few incidents like with people from the village um, mm. that have been very uncomfortable and I think there have been unfortunately we had a few incidents where I think people didn't really like know how to deal with that kind of thing and I felt really awkward and so I have often felt like it's up to me to laugh it off and just kind of pretend that everything's fine and you don't want to say I felt really uncomfortable about this and it's only recently that we've really had conversations about that. Yeah, because that's actually what I want to go into. Because, like, how long have you been together? 12 years. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you must have really matured in that time. Like, obviously, within 12 years, two people will change, no doubt. You'll progress. So how do you feel that has happened within your relationship? Like, how has your relationship progressed through time? Especially, I think, now, Mayan, you're working within a, you know, a social justice space and, you know, discussing these things more openly. How has that affected your relationship for both of you? Yeah, I can start. Well, I think, you know, I've definitely seen a lot of change in Mayan's um, kind of uh, sort of position over the years in terms of like to what extent she will put up with, um, let's say, like microaggressions in regard to both like race and gender, um, in particular in the last maybe three years or something. Um, and I think there maybe was more of a tendency like earlier on to do more of kind of um, laugh it off, um, not want to cause a scene, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which, you know, as a, uh, a white person who had had growing up anyway, like a very limited exposure um, to like diversity um, in basically every way, um, you, you know, probably a lot meant that I was more had more of a tendency to like you know say inappropriate things and like kind of uh you know oh it's just a joke like uh you know say things that I would think of at the time it's like oh that's not a big deal it's just um it's just joking around and like uh we're all friends and uh, like etc cetera, etc cetera. um and because there's no like no pushback on that it's like oh well that just means that that's fine uh and then you don't like learn and i think something that's happened more recently um uh it ha ha has been that you know like i've i've certainly like grown a lot in the sense of like oh actually i understand the kind of um uh the 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 uh, the building up of like microaggressions over many, many years and how like even a small comment or like what you would think of, of as a joke and that isn't a big deal. Actually, you know, it can be really hurtful um, given the experiences that that person's had up until that point and um, years of uh, people saying uh, things that have like fed into um, fed into kind of, I don't know about insecurity, but like, yeah, it's like, it makes things more more hopeful um, when they are said. And like, I, I don't think I really understood that um, for a long time. Uh, and it's actually one of the things that's really, really helpful about being someone that's become much more vocal um, as time goes on. It's like it permits me, I think other people to like understand much better that there are negative consequences to, you know, the things that you and other people say that you've got to really be conscious of and sort of make an effort to be conscious of because you're not naturally wired to notice them and to be conscious of them and to think that they're a big deal as a white dude growing up in the UK. Yeah. So that's definitely something like I think on for both of us has been a big like change over the over the years. And yeah, 12 years is a long time. Like we met when I was 17. And 17 year olds say loads wow. of really dumb shit all of the time. And like, mm. I'm sure I said lots of hurtful things. Um, uh, and yeah, it's like something I need to like be conscious of and, and accept and like learn from. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, man? 
I think that your experiences got progressively less white throughout your life. So you started off in rural Scotland <laughs> where there were like no black or brown people. Then you moved to Edinburgh, which is like pretty white, but there are, you know, other people of different ethnicities, quite a significant um, Asian student population, I guess. Then you moved to London, which is obviously super diverse. And then from London, you moved to West Africa where you're a minority. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I think. But I, I think that um, it is pretty obvious that when you're in your formative teenage years or your student years, you obviously say loads of problematic, dumb shit. And I know that I did as well. I mean, we, I'm not proud to admit this, but we went to uni during a time where it was really cool to use homophobic language. And I, and, I, and I know that a lot of listeners will probably resonate with that. I'm really not proud of it, but we used to say some fucking problematic shit when we were younger. We were dicks. We were awful. Mm. Um, and we, we, you know, we all now, well, I say, I hope we all now recognize how problematic some of that stuff is and think that the discomfort that I feel thinking about some of the things that I said when I was younger um, that would be extremely hurtful to members of the LGBTQ plus community it or loads of other stuff that I might have said that's been problematic. I think that that discomfort is really important to kind of marinate uh, on and to think about. And it's not nice, but it is helpful. Like you said, like it's probably not nice hearing me talk about racism and it's not nice for you to hear someone you love talk about times where they've been hurt, especially if those times have been inflicted by either you or people in your entourage. Um, it's probably not nice, but like you said, it probably is really helpful. And I think that we've both grown a lot through living in different places. I mean, obviously grew up in London, but moving to Scotland, it was like the opposite. I moved from somewhere that was really diverse to somewhere where there's just like only white people, um, which is a difficult space to navigate, as we know. Um, and then we've both been living now, we've been living in, well, I've been here for five years in Senegal. You've been here, Jamie, for seven, seven years. Mm. Um, so we've both now had experience of living in a majority black country. Um, and I think we've, yeah, we've learned a lot. And one of the things that I think is the best thing about our relationship is the fact that we still talk to each other for, like, we can talk for hours. You know, sometimes we'll just like, especially if we've had a few drinks, sometimes we'll like just sit down and end up just talking for hours and hours. And I, I still really like that we, can still do that in our relationship after all these years because that's kind of how our relationship started like we used to go out on a night out with mates come back at three o'clock in the morning and then when everyone else had gone to bed that was like the only time that we could like secretly be together so we would just stay up to like seven or eight in the morning every night and talk to each other um and i know like we've got very similar kind of social political values so i pretty much know that there is like basically no issue that i can't talk to jamie about um and kind of just knowing that you're gonna validate me is really really i guess inspiring reassuring um and i think i also think that you've allowed me to develop my voice quite a lot because jamie is probably the best listener in the world um he does you are. you are he's doing a stellar job right now he's doing a great job he hasn't even said he hasn't even interrupted me once 
um, you know, you're a very, very good listener. And I think that at a time where it's been really important for me to develop my voice about these kind of issues, you've done a really fantastic job of just listening. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this is so beautiful. I'm so emotional. <laughs> it is. I love hearing this because I I think it's also really important as a couple too, um, like moving together in this world as an interracial couple that it sounds like you're also able to hold each other accountable and feel comfortable doing that. And uh, I think there are times when, say, you know, in my own relationship, I've had to explain instances that have happened and say, this is how I felt, like, this is how it sounded to me. And, you know, if you're in that space too, please understand what it's like. And, um, you know, here are some action points or, you know, helpful things that you could do. Because, yeah, it's really, I think, especially growing up in a country where you are a you know a minority it's so important to have those you know those allies those active people standing by who you know you can rely on and so I just wanted to ask I mean only if you're comfortable sharing like have there been any like say typical kinds of comments or microaggressions that you typically receive as um, an interracial couple Because I've certainly had ones where people have gone, you know, oh, your kids are going to be so beautiful or oh, you two together. And it just is a bit icky. I, those kind of comments so icky to me. I have such lovely skin. I've had that one before. So oh. um, I mean, you're looking at me quizzically and I'm thinking, yes, I can think of like three things already. One is like people commenting on what our children are going to look like. Um, I also, when we first started dating, loads of people said to me that he had yellow fever. Oh. Um, just, yeah. Asian babe. Yeah, and then the, the third Asian one babe was like, uh, oh, like his, yeah. yeah, your friends asking if I, like, you know, when they found out that he had a new girlfriend and obviously they had my name, which is not, um, it's not an English name or Scottish name. Yeah. So people obviously were curious where that came from, and then they found out that it was Asian. Like, it was the question that got asked, like, oh, she is your babe. It's like, oh. oh. Again, there's that situation where you probably felt a bit uncomfortable as well, because you're not, like, super, I don't know, Jamie's not, like, super laddie in, like, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever heard you make any kind of, like, laddie or, or any kind of comments about, like, this is not his vibe. Um, and I was uncomfortable, and he was obviously uncomfortable, but it's one of those things. Also, like, new boyfriends, you want to, like, laugh it off, and, or just to be like, fuck off, or, or whatever. I think that's probably what I did. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the like, is she an Asian babe thing is a good example of how, like, as a white person, you don't, like, don't understand that that kind of thing is offensive, because it's, like, objectively, it's, like, true, right? It's, like, <laughs> she is Asian, and she is a babe. Yeah. So, like, yeah. But you don't like, especially if you're younger, you don't have the kind of context to think about how that kind of feeds into or is a part of a, you know, sexualization of Asian people. And, you know, like you, that is just not something that would have crossed my mind probably at that point. Yeah, I might have felt uncomfortable by it. But like, yeah, I guess you, you kind of you grow in your <laughs> in your understanding of those kind of things. Um, but but I think that is one of the examples of just like. I don't you, you don't necessarily see why it's a, a problematic thing to say initially 
It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, she is. Yeah, she's Asian. She is, babe. She's an Asian, babe. I think actually that's exactly what you said. You were like, well, she is Asian and she's a babe. Oh, did I, did I say that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Those two things um, can be mutually um, exclusive. They don't have to go together. So silly. But um, I, it actually reminds me of um, an incident when... Um, I was with my boyfriend. We we're in the pharmacy because I was really sick. Or was it my daughter was sick? Anyway, someone was sick and we we're in the pharmacy at Christmas. And uh, obviously everyone's back in the village. All the families are back. So everyone knows each other, but not me because uh, I don't really know anyone yet. And um, a guy came up to us. He was slightly older and obviously knew um, my boyfriend. So then he saw me, but he said to my boyfriend, um, does she speak English? And then I was like, uh, yes, I can. <laughs> you know, I can speak for myself. And then the guy turned to me and said, oh, so where are you from then? And then it was just, it, it was just multiple layers of, I don't know. It was almost like he's treating me like I was some kind of Asian bride. And that's obviously another stereotype that we get quite a lot that I always feel uh, the weight of that because especially going into those spaces where they don't even they don't even want to talk to me like I'm not worth addressing um so yeah I totally get what you mean about going somewhere where I, don't, I guess there are not many people who look like me there and then it's that discomfort as well so yeah with the Asian bride thing that I mean I got that a lot as a kid because my parents are obviously um were in a mixed relationship my dad was white and my mom is Vietnamese and like it's only actually it was from we we did a podcast record with um anthony chang from sky uh, not too long ago and he mentioned that that's how he noticed the kind of microaggressions and racism surrounding asian women played into his experience because people automatically assumed that his mum was the asian person when actually it was his dad and it made me realize that there were so many times when people made like male or bride jokes or like even the way that my parents' wedding was reported, like my dad was a journalist and the first ever newspaper that he worked in had this newspaper cutting like pinned up in my office um, because it's a lovely picture, but it's only however many years later that I'm realizing that the language that we used to talk about my mom was really racist and exoticizing and like, oh yeah, it picked up a little bit more than a good scoop. <gasps> That kind of. Is that in the article? No. Oh, that kind of. Well, I think it was like picked up more than he, I can't remember what it was. It was something like picked up more than he bargained for or something like that. It's really like, you know, oh, like, you know, Globetrotter goes off, comes back with exotic bride, that kind of thing. Well, just really gross and problematic. Oh, that is so gross. And it's one of those things where you think, oh, yeah, it's back in the day. It's all right. That's how they talked. But actually, I feel like we feel the the echoes of that still I think nowadays the language is just a bit different but I feel like those portrayals and that kind of shielded very subtle um language is still very pervasive and yeah just gives me the ick like how many times have people said like me love you long time to you like that's something that I now that I like now that I think about it I've heard it so many times and it's so gross and like for people who don't know that built that line comes from a film about the American war in Vietnam. Is it Full Metal Jacket? I think it's Full, yeah. it was, it was full Metal Jacket. And it comes from a Vietnamese sex worker. 
and mm-hmm. it's just become this like refrain that usually white men think is okay to just shout at Asian women when they see them in the street or say you know when your friend starts going out with an Asian woman or whatever like I've heard it so many times it's so horrendous I've definitely had that said to me when I was younger and had no idea what it was from so I hadn't heard of the film or seen it and um, it's only occurred to me now where I just thought, oh, actually, now that I know, it's so wrong. But back in the day, I'd just laugh it off because I thought they'd just been stupid. But now, because I know there's that added layer of that hypersexualization and fetishization, it just gives me the major Ugh, when I think it's back to it. Absolute book, as Carly would say. <laughs> um, so. Uh, guess the final question that I want to ask to wrap up the pod episode is actually directed at Jamie um I wrote this down I wrote this down this question (laughs) but just based off of the discussion we just had I mean I know it would be really hard to do this could you tell us three things that being with my Anne has helped to I don't know teach you or grow you as a human being like I mean it's 12 years that's a that's a good amount of time like what what has this relation brought to both of you wow Amy (laughs) (laughs) no it's a good question yeah it's a good question no too many things I can't limit them to three I'm sorry Uh, yeah I'll try I'll try I'll try um, okay, well, so the first thing I'm just going to like, you know, as they come to me, um, the first is um, about like not being uh, worried about what other people think when you have a strong opinion, you know, like I think, and this is something that I've definitely learned from my aunt, but I think my aunt's kind of learned for herself as well. Um, you know, over the years, I kind of mentioned that before, I think she's become much more ardent in her views, but also in her commitment to like expressing them in, uh, in even in situations where expressing them might create like an awkward situation or like make someone else feel uncomfortable. Um, and she's just kind of, um, yeah, like really, really good at, at, at remaining uh, true to like that value I feel I feel like it's become very like core value of, like I know what I think and I uh, know that I need to say it um, and other people will learn from that and that's the only way that things are going to change and people will uh, change their attitudes is if they hear um, you know an alternative opinion or, or that they're challenged on something that they've said etc cetera, etc cetera. because I think my natural more like natural inclination is to just like avoid confrontation or you know um not not create a scene or just kind of let something slide even if I think it's maybe problematic just because it's like way easier to do so (laughs) I think a lot of people fall into that category I think I you know so I definitely like that would be a major thing that I've learned as a kind of value uh and I definitely would would want to get better at putting that value into action uh because that's a, a whole other thing um that would be that would be one um what else i think um another is i mean my aunt is 
really smart. I don't know if you knew this. No, I had no um, idea. Did, did, didn't, like, yeah, didn't she's come pretty clever. She's pretty clever. And I mean, obviously, you can't just like take someone's brain. You know, she's probably just like got got some brain chemicals that I don't have or something like that. <laughs> uh, but you know, she reads a ridiculous number of books and has this very strong commitment to like um educating herself and is very particular about the books that she reads and the, the authors that she chooses to read from especially in the last couple of years um and yeah i mean I th what's your book target for this year is it 50 yeah 50 books in a year and oh, some whoa. something that i Actually, could only dream of <laughs> A book a week, sorry, 52 books. Yeah, so I think both, on, both in regards to just the kind of commitment to being intentional about the uh, content that she's consuming, as well as um, just the commitment to like learn, continuous learning um, in general and, and always being on that journey of, uh, yeah, I mean, she just reads a ridiculous amount. It's very Don't impressive. Don't read books by white men though. Well, there we go. That's kind of what I meant by being intentional. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the detail behind it. <laughs> Don't you be writing a book, Jamie, because, you know, the important people won't be reading it. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Damn. No point. I'll read, it. I'll read it. Don't worry. I'll read it, Jamie. Secretly. Secretly. Don't tell my Secretly. Aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and yeah okay and then the last thing is well and this is something i think quite recent i would say and very much relevant to uh this podcast um is you know how much she has just flung herself into this new world new uh organization new project um uh in is it less than a year still isn't it since bc was yeah was created um and like i know how busy mine is as a result uh you know juggling uh the kind of bc work as well as her ordinary job and uh, everything else that she does um and just kind of seeing how like she's decided that this thing is important and uh she just like gives her everything to it and regardless of how like tired that makes her she just like makes the time to do what is important and to kind of i guess it's a lesson of like prioritization you know it's like made a decision that this thing is important and i will therefore make the time to 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 do things related to that you know and like uh, and make progress and um you know that's something that's really hard for a lot of people you know like it's really easy to like theoretically think like i care about x or i'm interested in y um but actually making the time in your in your week especially if you like work a full-time job and you have you know like you want to work out and blah 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 um to like make the time to 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 um advance those uh interests and goals um is really difficult and it's just like extremely impressive that she's been able to do that um, and, and, and do it collectively as BC and how much progress you've made in such a ridiculous <laughs> small amount of time. It's really, really incredible. Um, so congratulations to all of you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That was probably a bit rambly, but, uh, those oh. are the three things that came to my head. That Zero preparation. <laughs> everywhere with BC and so keep going. Oh, oh great Amy is. Amy, you're awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Talk about how great Charlie is. Charlie, you're awesome. Talk about how great Izzy is. 
Is it, you're awesome. Talk about how great Carly is. Carly, you're awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but I was just, I just. All the bonus to... points. <laughs> All yeah, equal yeah. bonus points. Yeah, he's our—he's—he's he's not only our uh, BCN manager, but the BCN. Yeah, you're—you're you're a marketing influencing manager, aren't you? That's right. That's and right. number one fan. Number one. Oh, you might have a oh no! Oh. Fan, but he is also—you oh. know—he's very handy. Um, uh, you know, straight white man that we can just pull out every time we need one of those. Yeah, yeah. Just your yeah. token. Yeah. You don't mind us tokenizing you, do you? Because you know that's. That's sort of no, not, that's why you're not the really. Class, really. And I'm already I'm already fulfilling the uh, the Scottish diversity quota. So yeah. And there's, got, there's intersectionality there because you you know you got a lot of shit for growing up in Scotland, but having been like ethnically English as well. Although you are a bit Scottish, I think we're about as Scottish as each other actually. Yeah, that's right. I I think that's right. Yeah, that's actually true. I didn't mention that before. I did get some shit. Like as a as an an English Scottish person, if you know what I mean. Oh. Like I didn't sound like where I was growing up. Yeah, like had even when I was like um, eight years old or something, eight nine years old. I remember like one of my closest friends at that time, who I'm no longer like friends with. I remember like in in the schoolyard at primary school, we had a falling out about something like to, maybe to do with football or something, and he like came up to me like pushed me over and was like go back to where you fucking came from you english cunt no I'm when like they that. were eight yeah i'm laughing at the incredible accent see you can pull out a good accent when he wants to. that was good it's better than mine i'm not even gonna try and whip out my scottish accent because that would that could cancel the podcast it could i've, I've been spat on in Scotland before for, for having an English accent like I was outside a nightclub in Inverness once and I was talking to my friends and this like steaming guy comes up to me and he was like you're English and when I said yeah he just spat on my foot that's really wild. disgusting yeah that's yeah. so gross but and that's a, again another nuance that I didn't really know much about until I probably really met um yourself Mayan and Carly because I feel like although of course of course I've met Scottish people but it was never the conversation that I had with them and then it's only really because we are so open in discussing these sort of things I'm like okay I'm learning so much which is thanks to all of you because you know I think I think we can understand that London people tend to exist in a bubble a tiny bit <laughs> so it's nice to have that bubble burst now and then because it's just, yeah, so many nuances among communities that um, you're just not aware of. Uh, but I actually had one final question. Sorry, I know I said I've got to wrap up with a final question, but I actually would really love to know, like, how um, being in BC for Mayan, how have you managed to adapt your relationship around that? Because I found it, it's, it's obviously very time consuming. We both have full time jobs. Yeah, we have to fit all this stuff around it. Like in terms of your relationship, how have you adapted to fit in that work, which obviously as Jamie has described is so important to you? Mm, give you a fox. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm actually like, um, I'm quite uncompromising in my commitment to our relationship in terms of um, spending quality time together and in making sure that we carve out space for each other. So. That's not like, that hasn't really, I don't know. Do you think that that's suffered? I think we 
we still spend quite a lot of time together. I mean, we have like similar friendship circles, which I think helps um, to win mm. all off socializing with other people. We also, we're pretty good at making sure that we make the time to spend quality time together most weekends. Um, I guess the thing that I've let go of a bit is stuff like domestic stuff. Are you living in like a really messy, like, pigsty dishes everywhere does jamie still smell of beer and sweat like was that was that question basically have like have you stopped washing jamie yeah. that's what it sounded <laughs> like yeah. it no, just I sounded mean, like what maya was saying like we've just given up on okay i have to i have to admit like we we are extremely privileged in that we where we live and with the income that we have we can afford to have a cleaner to come so like nobody has to do the deep clean of the bathroom which i think we probably would argue about if somebody had to do it and like during i mean actually that was a bit of a test wasn't it during the whole when covid was it, it's worse for the, like a few months last year that was like we did that was a bit of a it was a bit shit wasn't it and that definitely literally but we're very like i think when when you can afford to have somebody to to help out at home it does kind of take quite a lot of the pressure off um so i think i've just been a probably a bit less a bit less i'm not going to use the word uptight because i also think that uptight is a word that people use mostly to describe women what's another word that i can use preoccupied mm-hmm. with certain domestic tasks getting done on time we have to make sure that this is done oh this is happening we have to do this we have to do this we have to do this and actually there's probably like you could split that list in half it's probably only like half the stuff that we actually have to do we have to make sure that we have food to eat we have to make sure that you know we have clothes that are clean like there's not really as much on my plate as i think there needs to be and i think that being in bc has helped me reorder some of the priorities and i think we're generally quite good at division of labor um think that sometimes certain people need a bit of a prod in the right direction but yeah you, def- overall, you definitely do need a prod sometimes yeah i mean yeah. i am yeah, yeah obviously slacker obviously it's me <laughs> i love that i felt so this was so incredibly therapeutic i love this can we do this a bit more like can we just do this anyway <laughs> yeah for it. sure no it was very pleasant wasn't it it was, it was all right wasn't it great chance you amy yeah would have to be cajoled a little bit by all of the members of BC who really wanted him to come and appear on the podcast as the first bo- wait I almost said boyfriend sorry husband oh, <laughs> oh, the, first, the, first BC partner, the first BC partner to make an appearance we're going to need to come up with some kind of name for you not you personally but like the BC and significant others we're going to have to think of something to call them so listeners if you have any suggestions please write in um, but we're hoping that this will be the first in a series of discussions about mixed ethnicity relationships. So um, how do you feel about the bar that you've set? Uh, I, I can't judge for myself. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But the only way this conversation was tolerable. But it was great. Other, you know, other BC partners, whatever name we're going to be given. Um, you should definitely do the same. It was very pleasant. It was an honor and a privilege. Aww. Oh, no words of warning, nothing like that. Any any tips and tricks that you oh, could yeah, give to No, guys? well, I did I did get uh, sent the, uh, the 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 vague like discussion areas um, about seven minutes before the we 
before the, the 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 podcast went to recording so i would suggest you know if you do want more time to prepare ask your better half uh for a little you know for, to be to be sent that it. maybe 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 i am i'm disappointed also, no 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 hang on in my defense if when i send him stuff during the day when he's at work he doesn't read it that's true so it doesn't make any difference like me sending it to him when you sent me the questions or me sending it to him when he got home True. Okay, well, let's let's take that as a learning moment. Yeah, Jamie? Read your messages. <laughs> That's the fourth thing that I've learned from That's my end. We'll expect a list by the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's time to thank my two wonderful, beautiful, amazing guests. Jamie! Ooh, my Thank you for coming on. If you enjoyed that, if you love the chat about uh, sweaty pits, about Scotland, um, about like um, dubstep, then please, please throw us a, a bit of coin <laughs> um, towards our coffee page, uh, ko-fi.com forward slash be seen. It's also on our website and sign our petition for EC Heritage Month. That's also on our website. And uh, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for hanging out. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.